You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Boy, we got a cool one today. This is a progressive podcast coming at you. This is Matt Dye with Land and Legacy here, hosting the podcast. In just a few short minutes, I'm going to have Chad Keith on the podcast as well. And what we're going to do is break down for you um, the course of several days chasing a big deer as season opens up here in Missouri. Um, 
And man, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really cool for you guys to kind of get in our brains, get in the thought process as what our uh, motivations were, what we're seeing, what we're observing, what our next moves are, what our thought process, so, excuse me, thought processes are throughout the whole, um, if you will, weekend, three, four days that this took place over. So um, be sure to follow along all of the little segments here of this podcast to get kind of the full picture and know exactly what happened. Um, but before we dive into that story, we first got to thank First Light Apparel for making this podcast happen. If you have not personally worn First Light Apparel, you're doing yourself an injustice. It is fantastic gear for the hunter who is an active hunter. Um, but even for those who are in the tree stand or in the saddle or ground blind, is also great, great gear. So personally, as season has opened up, we've been experiencing temperatures from low 80s to kind of mid 70s. Um, might drop down as the sun is setting the last half hour of light into the high to mid 60s. But I've been personally wearing the um, the first light guide pants, and then I've been wearing um, the arrow wool t-shirt. Um, and surprisingly, I've not really been a big, um, ghillie person in the past. And this isn't like a full on ghillie suit or anything like that, but it's just a mesh kind of leafy top that I've been wearing and loving. Um, you'll hear a part of this podcast where we talk about minimal cover being in a tree. I wore it that night. Helps breaking up outlines and everything. But it's also extremely breathable in those warmer temps in the stand. So that little piece right there has been super essential uh, for me just this early season. So do yourself a favor. Go check out firstlight.com. Check out the apparel. Uh, wool-based system. Layers will be going on here shortly. I've got some cooler temperatures in the forecast, and I'm excited to be able to try them out. But check out firstlight.com, and then, guys, sit back, enjoy the podcast. We're going to let it roll here right now. Okay, so we are on scene, on stage. Not really. We're in a cabin in the middle of south-central Missouri, and it's the hunting cabin. Because cat, guess what, Chad? We're hunting. It's bow season. Building content. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to uh, get eyeballs and the camera and a big deer in bow range. Yeah, it's it's tough here, anyway. Yeah, it is. It it's uh, it, it's pretty tough. But this property is definitely a special one. And, and what we're gonna try and do today is do almost like a a sequence type podcast um and kind of paint a picture of step by step inching closer to hopefully a moment of success um we hope and hopefully it's going to come tomorrow night around seven o'clock um so so basically what's taken place in a, in a quick nutshell we'll go through kind of the dirty details here in a little bit um but this is a this is a cattle farm a friend of yours from college, Chad, yeah. and um, working cattle farm and, and working dairy. So there are um, 
expansive areas of pasture, cool season grasses mixed with clovers. There are um, alfalfa and alfalfa and orchard grass fields. There is silage corn and cover crops kind of across the place. So it's probably not your typical um, and it's, cattle it's farm. And it's different than, than what a lot of people consider cattle farms because it's a, it's a very actively managed cattle farm. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what sometimes makes it tough here to hunt is because the cows aren't in one spot for a long period of time. Not at all. They, they can, rotate a lot. You may think you're on a pattern and the next day the cows are in that pasture. Like you see deer yes. moving through a pasture and then the next day the cows are in there. Yeah. So you're constantly changing your hunting tactics according to what you see when you're up here. The elements that are present, I think, offer um, some good opportunities at deer. And and from a aerial, you'd probably say, oh, I don't know if I'd want to hunt that or I don't know if I'd want to lease that property because there's not a ton of cover. No. But where there is cover, um, and again, we're not saying like the best cover in the world, but where there is some cover, there's deer. And there's yeah. a pile of turkeys. You guys have seen videos and you've heard podcasts talking about this is the farm that, that a lot of turkeys um die on <laughs> and i think I, mean, I think part of, of it is the management of this farm yeah. that makes because this is a place we hear a lot of quail yep every time you hunt up here you hear yep. a lot of quail mm-hmm. and it's one that the way they manage it it makes it to where the deer hunting can be tougher because it, yeah a lot of times the bedding cover is on the neighboring properties yes but they have most of the food mm-hmm. so a lot of times, I've joked with people, this is a place that a lot of times you can get in 30 minutes before dark yeah. in a stand and be ready to hunt. Yeah. Like, yeah, y- you don't have to get in at 1 or 2 in the afternoon no. and sit no. for hours on end because a lot of times it's it's a last last 30 minutes hour of daylight. That's usually when it gets really good. Yeah. And and and, uh, and that's what we saw tonight. It and, is. And, and yesterday and, when and I last night. So, yeah, let's, let's get into that because we could talk about this farm itself for... For many many podcasts, but um, essentially over over the course of many years, um, have hunted this farm, deer hunted it, killed a lot of does off of it. Um, you've killed just one buck, I think, with a muzzleloader. Um, in the course of how many years? Probably four four years now. I think four years. Yeah. And a lot of the time, we have focused mainly on does. Certainly, that's, certainly. That's a lot of the the like main goal of this place yeah. is to kill does because. Yeah. It's obviously it's a working cattle farm, and it's mm-hmm. it's they harvest a lot of alfalfa, yep. and they need tonnage and food for for cattle. Yeah, and there's times that it really puts a hurt on the amount of hay that they harvest. Some well, of the fields get hit so hard that they don't even cut them for hay, like a last cutting, because yeah. the deer are eating them so hard. I mean, like like in so- certain situations, we we've seen. Um, 50 deer in a field before like there there's there's a field right now that the farmers and i think you've seen 30 or 40 i saw 40 the other night 40 the other night what what was coming out um so so tons of does you've killed one buck and you had opportunities at at others yeah um and and here's the the other side of it too it's also we're not the sole people we're not the only people hunting this place that's that's another that's another dynamic dynamic to the thing is Especially some parts of it, there's multiple other people that yeah. hunt it. Yeah. So 
it's not a low pressure hunting situation, private land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're constantly moving according to everything. Which is essentially the, the story of, of the podcast. So after four years of, of all that information kind of been gathering and realizing, Hey, if you see something, you kind of, even though it's early season, you really need to be pretty aggressive to go after because things change on a dime. Crops get harvested, cows move in, cows move out, deer patterns move, they fluctuate based on all of that activity. I mean, there's people on this thing every and, single day. And that's something we've learned over the years. We were talking mm-hmm. about it tonight is mm-hmm. we can't, we don't, we've learned through these four years that we can't hunt this the same way we hunt like my family farm Correct. and Elise is we're very passive hunting on that. We we take it slow, we stay out, we keep the pressure low. But this place, we have been passive in the past and in turn ended up seeing a pattern shift or gun season comes and our shooter bucks get shot by other people, which is still a great thing. Yep. I mean, yep. everybody in the outdoors, but it's one that's like we had chances if we would have probably hunted a little more aggressively. Sure, sure. So that's part of what we're doing this weekend absolutely so last night um you got i guess you you came into town um the night before had some stuff to do drove up here got here five thirty, six o'clock or something last night and basically just kind of came in to put eyeballs on field uh, to pretty see much could this see was something. there's multiple alfalfa fields here alfalfa orchard grass mix yeah. and this is a field that we don't have any cameras on didn't know what was coming into it we knew what I watched the one field last mm-hmm. weekend, saw it was a bunch of does, and yep. that was predominantly what it was. Yep. The other, this other field we have cameras on, we weren't seeing a lot of traffic, so I yep. went and watched that field just to see what was coming Cause, to Because it. it really had not been observed a lot. We didn't know what was there. And yep. so I went in there with maybe a couple hours left of, of daylight and just sat far out on the very far end of the field, south end of the field with a north wind. So it yep. was like zero intrusion just to see what happened. Yep. And Some would call it an observational set. Yeah, I had my bow with me. Yeah. but Just in case the random Yeah, chance. just in case. And I went and checked another field too. Yeah. Like yeah. in the midst, I went to see yep. what was coming into it too. But like, what was it, 6.45 did I tell you? Yeah. Something like yep. that. Re- pretty late, I saw... One deer that I couldn't tell, I'm guessing a spike. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see antlers on it. I thought it was a doe at first until I saw that it was a bachelor group. And it was two other decent younger bucks and this one that is a shooter that we got, we saw again this evening. But yeah. that's the deer that we're strategizing for. Yep. I saw it, watched watched their movement. <laughs> they went kind of out of the ordinary for what I've generally seen on this field. Which is, which is the main point to to I think talk about, but it was a fantastic observation to say, hey, here here's a good shooter buck um, that I wasn't expecting to see. No, honestly, no, wasn't expecting to see. Um, got eyeballs on him, so it's like, okay, obviously we need to spend a little bit of time in here, but let's see see what he does. But from there, he goes, and and I guess the the group of deer came, they go a little different path there's than a, what normally happens there's a big pasture on the north side of the south alpha field that adam and i in the past have hunted the west side of it and yep. seen deer cross this field at a, a little different pattern kind of coming out there's a pond in it and they kind of mm-hmm. come off the edge of the pond and, and drop down and i watched these deer there's 
some acorns starting to drop. So yep. I saw them on the edge of a of the pasture at a fence line feeding on acorns, mm-hmm. kind of meandering around, meandering around up there, and then they hit a line and came across and got out of out of sight of me. Yeah. So I took that time to go check the other field. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, they had crossed that field at some point and made it to there's a ditch on the very north side of this alfalfa field mm-hmm. and they made it to there and were moving straight straight uh west to east then yeah they were they'd moved east to west all the way to behind trees they, and they basically going, zigged and zagged across this yeah, thing and went back to where i have mostly seen most of the deer cross to Every go into deer this that alfalfa. i've seen cross to get into the alfalfa has gone in at this general location yeah. 20, 30 yard gap or so. The first, the first year we hunted here, we saw deer doing a little something different, mm-hmm. and that was what like one of the first videos with Adam shooting the one from the ground that I oh, yeah. tried, <laughs> emphasis on tried <laughs> to get footage of. Yeah, yeah. While we were on the ground, those deer were ma- taking a different path. Yeah. But uh, most of the deer predominantly go to this one corner mm-hmm. across, and so. We went with the strategy of kind of an observation sit, but yep. also if they followed the same pattern they did last night, we had a shot. Yeah. And so would have a chip shot. Yeah. Realistically. So, so so basically the the plan was today, okay, we've got a shooter buck. Let's get in there, let's let's try, um, and learn a little bit more, but at the same time, we know generally speaking, they take a path that they didn't take that they didn't um, hadn't taken last night. But if they do the same thing as last night, we will be 100% right there in the wheelhouse, got the right wind, let's get set up there, but we'll also be able to observe the other more frequently used trail to yeah. get into that alfalfa. And and part of the reason we did that was we're, we're hunting tomorrow night too. So We knew we had two nights. We, we had two nights. So we went for the aggressive less aggressive approach because with where we sat tonight we have the option of if they took the other path we can pop we can get down pop into the woods and go the other way out and not spook anything yeah and have zero intrusion on them yeah if we hunted the other place that we're going tomorrow night Mm -hmm. and they used the path that they took last night that's not their normal path it puts them downwind of us straight downwind of yes. us and we also then also have no way out correct so we were this, stuck in there the, tonight's approach basically it, it, it went from an observation to a hey we could kill tonight we're gonna go a little less risky as what we know is like kind of like the tree but let's go with a slightly less risk and observation as well, opportunity tonight, and then now based on what we saw, because we laid eyes on them. Yeah. They they weren't 15 yards, but essentially what happened is they went their normal path this time. And so now it's like, well, I guess everyone listening is like, well, I guess it kind of talks about what you guys were were saying happens here on this property. Um, Patterns are, are... Heck, I don't even know if you could even say deer on patterns here because it's just so consistently changing. But but what was the big thing, the takeaway from what they did last night versus tonight, and what were the differences there being on a cattle farm? So so the biggest difference that I between the two nights, the pasture that they walked through tonight, last night had cows in it. 
Correct. All the way to the fence line. Mm-hmm. So we are a combination of previous history on this field and what we've observed over the last two nights. We have decided that we're assuming that the deer started to come out the way that they did tonight, saw the cows, went around them. Went around. And that's why they yep. went on the weird loop and like went east to west all the way to one side and then west to east all the way back to where they crossed. Mm-hmm. So, then... And, and they had the wind at their advantage the whole time yep. entering that field. It wasn't like it was, um, you know, putting them at a disadvantage. So they said, you know what? We're just going to leave them cows alone. We don't jack with them. We're going to make a little loop around. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that happen before, too. Yeah. Um, but after seeing exactly what they did tonight, back on that regular routine, no cows, it was like, hmm, let's just get where we need to get. Yeah. And we could see a tree tonight that we're... We've eyeballed it. <laughs> we think with a saddle we can do it. <laughs> <We're> but <laughs> we also... Ooh, this is not... A, I'm, I'm going to say this. Because this is not a tree or a group of like two trees that anywhere on a map you would be like, oh yeah, I'm hunting that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like from it's, an aerial, no one, I, w- I would bet, I give a hundred dollars to every listener and as you say, you could find, find before listening to this podcast, put a pin on a tree and you say, that's the one we're hunting. No one would pick this thing. No. Yeah, it, like it is... It's like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of tree stand options. Yeah. Um, but it's, well, it'll work. I guess we all should also say part of why we're being so aggressive in this in this strategy is because of the fact that they're still bachelor grouped up. Mm-hmm. This deer, we think, actually still has velvet on. Yeah, pretty pretty sure. We saw them at this, a distance and 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 got footage, but but still, it's like I, I I'm pretty sure that's that's velvet on, but it looked like there's a little bit appealing. So tomorrow I mean, what, night he what could, is he today's may not. what is today's date? Eighteenth, nineteenth, something like that. Something like that. I mean, eighteenth. We're expecting the bachelor groups to bust up at any day. I mean, and the patterns to change any day. any day. Well, he, he, and that's that's the perfect thing to to kind of wrap a little bit of this up. But it's like. We talked about how much change there could be at any given point. You know, that alfalfa and that orchard grass really needs another cutting. It's that will completely change any day. any day now. The cows are, you know, infrequent at best of which pasture they're going to be turned into. Um, the bachelor group is going to break up absolutely any day now. So there's so many things that's like this, if you will, pattern of deer going from here to there. Um, although they took different paths in two different nights, the end location is what we're talking about. That, that final destination of jumping the fence to get into the alfalfa, um, that's the same. And so really with all the possibilities and the things that are just ready to change at any moment, it's, it's an aggressive move. Yeah. And this is a farm that when the acorns are dropping, it's dead. Yeah. I mean, you can go from where I saw 40 deer on that one field you might see 10, maybe, maybe, maybe and, and it's, it's a, a huge It's a very field. big field, very big field, yeah. So you can see for a long ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's part of why we're going with a second option in case yeah. we see them do what they did last night. Yeah. Because yeah. we do, there is that ditch there that I think we're going to look and, and kind of plan ahead when we go in to hang, hang steps in this tree and get it all ready. 
we're going to look for a second option if we see them doing what they did last night where we can drop into this ditch, back up, take kind of our plan B, yeah, and adjust cut, cut them off at the pass accordingly <laughs> because the wind is blowing down that ditch. Yeah, yeah. So just in case they decide to do that move, if they zig, we're going to zag. <laughs> but we're we're just hoping that they just take the normal path of uh, what they typically do. We'll, we'll we'll determine kind of okay, what's the cow cattle situation? Which pasture are they in tomorrow? But again, at the at the end of the day, I'm feeling pretty good about. Um, about our options and our chances going into tomorrow with the wind and with what we've seen the last two days. Again, it could all change. We may not even see the deer, but and that's that's it's I a mean, big clean eight. And I say big, it is a big framed eight pointer, yeah. and it looks great. And, and uh, I just hope that we're going to get within bow range. I do too. So basically, that is the the intro, the backstory of this hunt. What we'll do tomorrow night after the hunt. Um, or in the coming days, is discuss what took place. Hopefully it is a success story, but heck, we don't know. We don't know yet. Again, the, the variables are, are numerous. It's hunting, and um, it, it's always a treat, though, I'll say this, to be able to uh, just lay eyes on, on an animal like that. He's gorgeous, <laughs> and you don't get to see that um, happen. So um, be sure to stay with us on this podcast. Hopefully hear a successful hunt story tomorrow um, evening after the, after the, the hunt there. And um, be sure to also be just looking and following along there on YouTube because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, we're talking about here in the upcoming podcast, whether it's hunting with Seth, Adam gets out, I get out, Chad's hunts. You're going you're gonna to have the opportunity to see them there on YouTube, um, kind of get a look at what it is we're hunting, the areas, um, the habitat. So be sure to check it out. But, Chad, final thoughts? Let's get to bed. <laughs> let's, I go, just, let's go I kill that thing I just took a long walk because I uh, unfortunately <laughs> left my keys in the other truck and had yes, to you did. make a big loop around to get the other truck. So. The 1,000-acre farm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> oh well, and and the flashlight was <laughs> in the truck. <laughs> Hopefully, we make up for it tomorrow night. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh well. Well, guys, appreciate listening. Stay tuned. We got the the rest of the hunt coming at you right now. Okay, we're back with the second installment of the podcast. <laughs> I wish we were sharing better news, Chad, but uh, yeah, we're wow. not. <laughs> <laughs> we're not but I, i'll say this um we did stick stick with us because we did lay eyes on the deer i mean we saw the deer again and and it's like it was one of those moments like man we should have been back in that other tree kind of thing but we saw the deer so what what it is essentially we want to do is walk you guys back through the second evening of that hunt what took place kind of walk you through it all because um as we as we alluded to Chad there in the first portion of this podcast man there were so many variables that were just thrown at us and we're trying to piece and and pick apart and really weigh out like okay risk versus reward and all these different things that could would yeah. maybe might happen some of our fears yeah came and, true yeah exactly exactly uh and and things that are just completely um, out of our hands, out of anybody's hands, really. So essentially, 
um, I, I think it'd be really great to, to walk people through, um, basically kind of that, that, that day leading up to the hunt, because what we did is we went back in mid, oh, I guess it was late morning, midday, and essentially prepped the tree that we identified <laughs> we had, and alluded to the night before. We had, uh, yeah, we had identified a tree that we thought would work. Yeah, key, from, keywords. From what, 200, 300 yards? Yeah, yeah, roughly, roughly. We, from across the field, we'd seen a tree that we're like, if we can get in that tree, that's the tree we like, need to be in. That tree's location is absolutely killer. Let's see what we can do and get into that joker right there. Because if so, it's it's chip shot game over. You walk the same thing, buddy. Done. Yeah, and and we didn't realize exactly how close we were going to be. Yes. Until correct. we went in mid morning and we're like, "Whoa, this deer will be." I mean, I ranged the corner post at twenty nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. He was in inside of that the whole time. The, the whole time crossing the fence, getting to the alfalfa field, everything. And this, basically, there was another tree, another option, but the tree that we had to go into essentially was going to block and limit one not only shot opportunities, but also footage, and then push the envelope of distance <clears throat> that that shot opportunity was going to take place at, most likely, let's say. So yeah. we really and, and, only had the one option. And and also that this whole area has been hit really hard with the emerald ash borer. Yes, yes. And I mean there are patches of trees that the whole area is dead. Yeah. And this tree, this tree's days are numbered. <laughs> numbered as in out. yeah, and, quickly and fade. When between the two trees, that was this was the tree that we ended up sitting in was the tree to get in, but it was. A lot farther gone than the one behind it that yeah. had a lot more limbs in it. I mean, this it, one, if you will, it was it was essentially like two days away from being the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of elm trees. I mean, it was thin. Or ash. Ash. Uh, ash I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ash trees. Yes, thank you. It, it was it was so close to being just done. I'm. I would say. What do you think? Coverage was probably of normal. Canopy wise was probably forty percent of what it should have been. Probably, Pro- probably when something like that. The, when you look at the tree behind it, yeah, yeah. And that's what once we got in it. I mean, there was no. You couldn't have done it without the saddles. Correct. We ended up probably ten foot off the ground mm-hmm. because the way it forked, it just worked out better. Yes. This one yep. you couldn't you couldn't get higher. You needed to be that low to blend in better with the trunk a little thicker. And then while you were getting your saddle, your platform set up, I went over with sticks and robbed limbs out of the thicker canopied tree and essentially softly nested us in the tree so that we had a little more cover. (laughs) Well, that's the most important thing. You know, this is the whole prep, prep before that hunt. And, and obviously we knew exactly how that deer had walked the night before and hoped that he would do it again and plan for, you know, him doing it again. But we had some holes and we had some gaps that, okay, if they take this path, when they're coming in and we're trying to get footage of this, we're going to be wide open. And we did not have the back cover or the front cover um, that we really felt like we needed, being, especially being, 
10 foot off the ground. And that's not an exaggeration because the tree, the way it branches out in a, in a middle of a pasture. So it was very uh, short, kind of shrubby uh, of an ash tree and branched out and began to uh, almost go um, horizontal on some of the branching versus more upright. So the saddle um, was the only option and 10 foot off the ground, again, based on what cover we did have to work with in the tree was the best option. So we supplemented you grab branches from the neighboring ash tree, and we cut, I don't know, we probably brought in know, 8 to 10 different limbs um, of varying sizes and laid them across forks, laid them across um, other other limbs themselves to break up our outline. Because we we're, we're going to have to move. You're going to have to prepare. You're going to have to draw. Yeah. We I was going to have to film. Like we we, we didn't want it to be... In, we didn't want it to be a big dark glob in the mm-hmm. tree. It wasn't like we threw a ton of stuff in there. We wanted soft edges, mainly just a few limbs, just so that we blended in better. Yeah, was all we really did. Yep. It wasn't a whole big brushy glob where all of a sudden they're coming down there and there's this huge mass of limbs in the tree where it wasn't there the day before. It was just a little more cover just so we felt a little better about any movement that we might have to make. For sure. And and it worked. Like, we felt, I, I was confident middle of the day once we got saddles, the platforms hung, um, got the limbs and everything cut, treated. Like, we, we were we were set up, and I was confident that, hey, if, if they do the same thing, we're going to make it happen. I wasn't I wasn't worried about, you know, the cover. I wasn't worried about the let's say lack of desirable tree being there. I was like, man, I still think we can get this thing done here at this Mm -hmm. location. Um, So I guess I don't want to speak for you, but I was going in thinking confidently that night of like, we could, we could get this thing done. Oh yeah. I mean, in my mind, if he did the same thing that he did the night before, it was, I I really thought we had a great, a pretty good shot at it. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to say great, but I don't. I didn't really want to say great. It's more like a pretty good. Yeah, for um, sure. I didn't feel great, but because mm-hmm. because of the variables that we had talked about, we thought might happen, and if it happened, it could throw a kink in things, and that's that was, you know, even once we got in the tree. I mean, we got yeah. in there that evening. It, and we're going to talk about the way we got it. This this place, if watch some of our turkey hunts. This property lays out really well for moving and staying out of sight. I would I would and, I would hazard to say that probably eighty percent of this property is open, whether it's fields or whether it's pastures. And then there are the ditches, the drainages, the creeks, and the wooded draws that basically make up maybe the extra 20% that's the cover on this property. Cause we mentioned earlier that a lot of the cover, all the deer stay on neighboring properties and move on to this one. But those slight terrain features and ditches and creeks and everything and banks allow someone, a hunter who's utilizing and thinking wisely, they can navigate this property despite it being very open. I mean, I'm not trying to give anything away, 
But we, Chad, you killed a turkey this year in a wide open pasture and on the edge of an alfalfa field. Basically, we were laying on an old terrace and you shot it at three yards. And we're talking wide open 300 acre ish field, giant yeah. field. And that's what I mean. We made the comments when we were in there that night. This feels like like Milk River, Montana stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. big alfalfa field, deer moving to the alfalfa. And we're in an isolated tree trying to cut them off. Yes. Yes. And, cool setup. Very cool setup. Yeah. And we didn't realize that ditch was that deep until we went in, until we started to walk out. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we had we had a backup plan, too. We did. We had a backup plan because the first night that I watched them, the, the way that they moved, kind of one of the variables that we thought might happen had happened that night. And they came in a different direction, but they still wanted to cross at that ash tree. Mm-hmm. But they came and followed that ditch line. And so we'd kind of had a backup plan. If they started to do that, we were going to drop down and get in that ditch and go back and set up. And once we walked back to the ditch, we're like, we can get in and out of here with, with ease. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, we're hidden. I mean, and it, that's it, what... it was probably a f- most places. It was five and a half, six foot deep ditch that we were able to get into yeah. and walk out. So that's what we slipped back in that way got into the tree and, and it kind of made the comments. There's a, a neighboring pasture that had cows on it. And that mm-hmm. was the variable that we were worried about. That was what affected them on Thursday when I watched the when deer. You, yeah. When you observed and watched. The cows were at the fence line. So they went around and went west and came through this pasture. They didn't have any cows in it, but made a big loop around and came back to that little fence crossing where the fence is. It's, it's leaned over. So it's yep. easier to cross. So we went in there, got up in the tree, and kind of said, oh, I don't see any cows. Yeah. We might be good tonight. This this might work out. And when was it? About the time we thought we should, you know, about, I saw them at around between 645 and 7. It was about 650 probably when you said, hey, I see movement up there. Yeah. And oh. it, it was a cow. It was a Charlay cow, which is a whitish, tannish cow. And it started working its way down right through this little narrow gap of, of the timber and the field edge. And they and this is the crazy thing. And this is what I guess it just drives the frustration for a lot of deer hunters. Is, I mean, these cows had ample pasture that had been freshly... Uh, brush hogged and plenty of, grass. plenty of grass and they come like out of the timber on this narrow little stretch right we're expecting this uh this deer to come from and prime and still, time hey. still at that point we didn't think I, I mean i was still optimistic i thought what yeah. that might do was push them there's a, a timber patch there to the east of those cows that i thought you know they might still come i've seen a lot of deer come out of that out of that timber coming down may they may just it may push them farther east yeah we still i was still kind of optimistic and and then you said hey i see deer coming out and i'm like all right here we go and it was the doe and Mm -hmm. at least a doe and a fawn i don't know but we'd seen them the the previous evening with in like kind of coming in the same area as the bucks Yeah. yeah like they came out before the bucks and down the same line so we're like all right now we got a shot and then they started running and 
I, at first I thought it was just like a fawn doing, you know, fawn things, running in yeah, circles. Yeah. And then the doe was running with it. And it was like it ran out in the field and then it ran back in the woods. And I'm like, tail up. And the cows were moving down towards it. The other cows in the pasture were moving down that way. And I'm like, it felt at that sandwiched. point I kind of was like, oh, no. Yep. yep. This was falling apart fast. Yep. And they just left. We never saw those deer again. No. And, and like, like I said this, like, anything could happen, right? At any moment, we could see the deer. We knew, though, the tree we picked was, like, the final destination of, like, they're going to cross here. This is where they always cross and end the field because of the fence adjacent to the alfalfa field. It's just easier to cross. So it's like, okay, cows are here. They still want in the alfalfa. Time is kind of limited now, but maybe they'll just kind of make a break and, and just come across here. Maybe they'll go further east or come out further west. Whatever the case may be, we're still in position. But... And we still... Then we still looked up. He said, "There, there's a guy. There yep. he is. And he came out farther west. Yep. And it was kind of one that we still thought, well, maybe they just shifted and they'll jump the fence and come down through the pasture this way. Right. And then it was just one of those, the whole rest of the last few minutes of daylight watching them walk that fence line. And finally, we just decided, let's just get out of here and drop down in the ditch it was kind of one wondering if they were going to cross and come down that way. And then kind of we, as we watched, we realized, yeah, they're, they're not coming down here. We need Wait. to just get out of here before it, before it gets dark and we really get stuck in here. Let's get out. Well, I think that was the, that was the next decision that, that needed to be made. And I think that it's a good learning point for our, for everybody. We always talk about clean entry, clean exits. Um, this, this stand, this tree option had all of that. Um, it was fantastic, and we were able to watch the deer observe him and and basically make a decision based on the time that we had left, shooting light, and based on the speed at which him and this other buck that were, that were kind of meandering, making their way to the alfalfa, it was essentially, if they get here, it's going to be absolute last light, but, but 90% sure it's going to be after dark, so... We would then be stuck. Like we we would be stuck. They'd have to cross the alfalfa, and then they'd be, you know, hundred yards away, and us trying to get out of this tree and get in the ditch and walk out. I would much prefer to get down when they're two hundred and fifty, three hundred yards away, and get in the ditch and walk out now, even though we're giving up a little bit of daylight. It was it was one of those like calculated decisions of, even though there's still a chance. There really wasn't much of a chance that they were just going to hop the mm-hmm. fence and run across this field. Um, so I think it was like some sometimes I, th- I think a, a tip, if you will, you don't have to wait till absolute last light to get out, even though you think that you can't see what's going on or or see that well. Hey, guess what? Deer can see at night and. It doesn't really matter whether you think it's dark or not. You could probably be seen. So a lot of times, I just did this with uh, Seth Harker last night. We were getting out of a, a food plot. I was like, hey, there's no deer in the field. I'd rather get down right now, walk out, get out of here while it's clean and there's no deer in the field. Then try and get out when it's dark and I think more deer might be coming. 
And that was the situation. Let's get out of here cleanly. Yeah. We got in that ditch, though, five and a half, six foot, and kind of crouched down and just... Man, yeah, we were, we were out of there fast. Fast, disappeared. But it allowed you, even though, okay, cows messed us up. That was that was the curveball that we knew could have could come down the pipe, right? We we knew that that could happen. Dad gummit, it did happen. Didn't get didn't get it killed that night, but let's not try and ruin anything for the following night cuz you could still hunt. I had to go um home and, and and spend some time at home, but you could hunt. Let's get out of there cleanly and did that and the next night and try to salvage it for the next yeah, night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I mean, and we took we I think we talked earlier on the part talking about hunting. This is one we're kind of a little more aggressive on this because we do we we don't know how long this pattern will go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know the acorns are starting to drop. We don't know if they're going to keep moving towards South Alpha. We really don't know what the next. Well, for instance, this weekend, yeah, it's mid eighties. I I don't know that we'll go back up there this weekend. Mid or I mean, we've got 80s. some ideas. Yeah, we've got some ideas. I mean, I've, I've, we've talked about going in in a morning and going on the north side, kind of where we think they're moving in and bedding, because I think there's probably acorns on the ground there. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of why they're coming out so late. And uh, that's one that – that's also another strategy. I don't know that I've discussed this with you, uh, my, my thoughts on going in there. But I kind of want to go in in the dark and find a tree because mm-hmm. we know they're not going to be in there. Yeah slip in in the dark after we know they've moved out onto the alfalfa fields and find, find a tree to set up in and then come in in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yep. but yeah, that's, I mean, we don't know how long they'll be moving into the alfalfa. It can be cut any day. So it's, uh, that's why we've pushed it a little more here. Yeah, that's right. And, but I think, I think, you know, you push the envelope to get where you need to get, but at the same time we were, conservative enough to realize it's not going to happen tonight let's get out and and preserve it for the next night and so you you basically went back in um the following day uh we're going to self-film and the tree although it would be kind of difficult it was doable like you could self-film and this and make it happen this setup was one and that's how confident we were in that tree i mean yeah yeah, it was a piddly thing but especially just one person in the tree yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't hesitate to hunt it. Sure. And that's what I was like. I can get in there the way it would work with them walking through the field. I could film them coming down the fence line and then swing the camera around and get them for, for the uh, the shot as they come across the creek and come out where I have a shot at like 25, 20 yards. Yep. So it was like, I, I, I can get away with this. I mean, if they've watched the the videos at all they've seen all of my struggles with filming but i think i can actually get away with this one and yeah we're actually self-filming but uh so i slipped back in there and it was a big old flop i didn't see a deer like so, didn't even see a deer the next night and and i not even a doe that's i mean like that's hunting yeah. and I, I think everyone can just relate to, let's say, the highs and the lows of this hunt and this story. And, and you know, we could have not brought the the second half of this podcast together and never aired it, whatever, and it just would have been 
blah, a hunt, an opportunity, right? But like, this is how hunts go. And this is very real. And this is um, a bas- basically a culmination of all the variables that we were discussing. And, and I think that just simply sharing the thought process from from basically observation of the deer, knowing the patterns, knowing the, the resources that they're hitting, knowing the variables, knowing how we approached it and how we got out of there, how we tried to preserve it, all these different things. There's still a lot of lessons to be learned, even though an arrow, a, a bow wasn't even drawn back. There's still so much that can be learned and discussed throughout this whole opportunity. And then the second, the, I guess third, fourth, whatever fifth thing that, that it is, is you just summon up to hunting. Like <laughs> that's bow yeah. hunting right there. And this, is, this is something that I think is relatable to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, you know, private land kind of gets this bad name sometimes. Shooting about, fish in a barrel. Land. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. And I mean, Sometimes some places that are devoted to just hunting can be different than this, but this is one that's hunting is secondary on this on this place. Oh, yeah. I mean, the farming comes first, so you're shifting your hunting strategies around the farming. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main thing you're dealing strategies, with. Strategies, your techniques, everything, all of it. It's. It's nothing's nothing's given when you go up there to hunt. It's always the only thing that's a given is that it's going to change. Yep. And And there's generally a lot of food. I mean, that's that's the draw in this place. Mm -hmm. And you don't you just have to, I guess, every time to go up there, figure out where the food is at and whether they're active. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that that's uh, that's definitely the piece to the puzzle, but. I think it's super important to to share the full story, share the full thought process from again, you know, seeing the deer to to trying to get in there, um, hunt that deer, and um, and here here's a great thing though, Chad, it's super early in the season. There's a lot of time left. Um, well, that that you know, it can still happen. Have- on. It was when, when I first saw the deer, you know, I, I'd kind of sent you guys, well, I sent you a text mm-hmm. and said, I think it might be this deer mm-hmm. that we had pictures of. We have figured out that that's not the case. Right. So right. that's three shooters on this area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, there's, an, there's another deer. Mm-hmm. We've got another shooter in this area. So there's still plenty of options. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, no, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's all good. Like it, it's, it's fun to play, to play the game and it's fun yeah. to chase I mean, the deer, right? I mean, that's really, that's what we're in, who, in it for. Who wants, who wants to fill their, their butt tag this early in the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like if, if those, those who don't know, like Missouri, you can kill two bucks, but if you kill one, um, you can only kill one deer with a bow before gun season. So if you shoot one, you know, September 15th, opening day, you're not hunting a buck till gun season when rifle season comes in. 
you can either hunt with a rifle or then you can pick up your bow again and start. So you'd be sitting out the majority, all of October and half of November, essentially. So there's a big window that, that Chad, you'd be sitting on your hands and, and then playing Mr. <laughs> Filmer a lot. Yeah, I'd be the, I'd be the poor cameraman. The designated Hoping. cameraman. No. But honestly, though, you would have been tickled after putting your hands oh, on this yeah. deer. This this was a good deer. I mean, it was it was like I said, it was cool to be able to spend a couple of days up there um, chasing him and when we seeing really him. Didn't, I mean, originally we kind of expected for it to be a doe patrol weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing too, Chad. You know what? Like three out of four times, you saw the deer. That's yeah. that's pretty like honestly that that in and of itself um is pretty impressive. I mean that well, that's the, a lot of people can't say that three out of four hunts they laid eyes on you know upper one forties eight pointer like that's a big deer. Yeah. And see, it, it kind of to me emphasizes the point of I mean I could have went and just hunted Thursday night, mm-hmm. but I wanted to check this field so it it really emphasized the the strategy of observation set. Yeah. I, I pretty well snuck into that field. I had my bow with me, but I really didn't expect to shoot anything. It was mainly to watch another field and see what kind of deer came out. Right. Right. For sure. Well, I know we got lots more time. It's hot this weekend, but, um, we might do some more shifting around of cameras and things like that. Um, but, uh, anyhow, man, I, I appreciate you sharing this story with us and, and, uh, bring it to, to viewers because there's, there's a lot of cool aspects to it. You know, just being mobile, being flexible, taking, taking a situation and a tree, the second and third evening of the hunt, that was less than ideal, making it ideal with saddles being only 10 foot off the ground. I mean, again, we, we were comfortable. We were, we were satisfied and um feeling feeling kind of on top of the world there and and I think there's a lot to be said about that choosing the right equipment and just again taking taking a scenario that um anybody would like to find themselves in and and even though it wasn't the best tree we made it work yeah we were flexible, and who knows flexible. maybe the, maybe that story's not over maybe, maybe it's not be more to add later I'd love it I'd love it so well we appreciate it man I'm, I was glad to be able to do it. Absolutely. Well, we'll um, we'll have another story next week to share. Hopefully, I think that the temperatures are going to cool off. We'll get back in the tree and um, and see what happens. But I've got a trip to Texas middle of the week, and I'll be back. And I think it's I think it's saying low to mid sixties or so. so uh, yeah. You know, coming into early October, could cold fronts. Deer like to move a little bit it's earlier. The first, the first feed. big cold front October. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But thanks again, man. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. Well, there you have it, guys. There is the podcast with Chad, Adam's brother. Um, man, what a fantastic hunt. Um, but, man, it just... That's uh, hunting. Just did not go quite as we planned. Um, but we, we certainly appreciate everybody following along. Um, you'll probably see some footage of this hunt um, on YouTube and social media. So be sure to be following along there 
on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. When we're in the tree stand, we're doing updates on Instagram. Um, so be sure to follow along there um, as well as all the other places, the social places. But we certainly want to give a shout out to Vortex Optics for making this podcast happen. Um, if you guys have not checked out their new apparel line for the fall of 2020, be sure to do that at vortexoptics.com. And then when you're on the apparel site and you're picking out all that sweet gear, use the code LEGACY20 at checkout to get 20% off the new fall apparel line at vortexoptics.com. I was actually just on there today looking at that new swag, and it looked good. It looked really good. So check out vortexoptics.com. And uh, gosh... Man, we appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, everybody is getting out, um, being safe outdoors, and enjoying their time. And uh, guys, just just good luck this season. Have fun and uh, and just enjoy that time out there. So we'll catch you next week. Hopefully, we'll have some big buck stories to tell. Yeah.